Welcome to the Natural Products Resource Center podcast. We're curating credible information about natural products brought to you by a clinician, pharmacist Hillary Blackburn. With the increase in the use of natural products such as cannabis, dietary supplements, herbs, and essential oils over the past few years, the purpose of this podcast is to bring expert information to our audience of healthcare professionals and even the public who want to learn more. This podcast is not intended to be for direct medical advice. Please refer to your doctor, pharmacist, or other healthcare professional for specifics related to your own health. All right, so today we have a special guest on the Natural Products Resource Center podcast. Our guest, Pam Tarlow, has been a practicing pharmacist since graduating from the School of Pharmacy at University of Southern California in 1981. Her practice has evolved over the years to include working closely with providers and patients on the safe, appropriate, and effective use of pharmaceuticals, botanicals, homeopathic, nutritional agents, and therapeutic essential oils. She currently practices clinical integrative pharmacy at a unique independent pharmacy and as part of a team at an integrative medical health group. She is a lecturer and innovative experiential educator for many pharmacy schools, medical residents, and doctorate acupuncture programs. She's the director of the inaugural PGY1 Integrative Health Pharmacy Residency, and Pam is a faculty member and co-chair in Healthy Aging um, and Integrative Medicine at Yosan University Doctorate in Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine Program. She's also an author of Pharmacist CE Programs, Exploring Bioactive Nutrients, Um, and on homeopathic medicines, and she's involved in numerous pharmacy professional associations. Pam, welcome to the Natural Products Resource Center podcast. Thank you. Very happy to be here. Wonderful to be talking with you. Well, thank you, Pam. And, you know, you've got such an interesting career path. Let's, Let's just dive in there. How did your career evolve into this um, newer uh, field of of practicing medicine? In some ways, it's newer. It's newer in popularity now. I've been Mm -hmm. doing it quite a while. Mm -hmm. I started about 25 years ago. And Hillary, I had no idea this is what I would be going into in pharmacy school, I was interested in pharmacokinetics and hospital patients and had a shift in my ideas. And then about the mid-90s, a few things came together. In particular, my patients started asking me about herbal products, and I had no idea what to answer them. So I started on a little journey of figuring out the best answer for my patients and found that I really liked it. Uh, so that's that's kind of the short of it, is that patients and f- practitioners began asking me about this, whether they could... The, I remember the first question I ever got where I stopped and thought, I know about drugs, but I don't know about these other things. Somebody asked me if she could take ginseng for energy. 
and I had no idea of what to answer. And now almost everybody knows that it's thought to be used for energy. But in 1994-95, nobody really knew, especially healthcare professionals. Yeah. That, so that's an interesting point, Pam, because, um, you know, I think more now so in the in the curriculum, there's a little bit more covered on, on natural products, supplements, and things that are stocked uh, over the counter in pharmacies and, of course, in um, in, you know, GNCs or other health food stores, but yeah, it's re- it really, uh, isn't covered a lot, but, um, are you seeing more of that shifting in the education systems? Um, you know, from, from what you're seeing with your involvement with, uh, different universities? Well, I'd like to think that I'm part of that shift. In my own little way, being uh, not an academic, definitely experiential, patient direct. Uh, I'm seeing more students, healthcare students, wanting to know about it for some of the same reasons because their patients are taking them or their relatives are asking. But yes, I'm seeing more and more interest in it. And uh, at the pharmacy where I work four days a week, we have appy fourth year elective rotations. And there's quite a demand for that. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, maybe it's also part the part of the country that you're practicing into. California is, is often known for, for being uh, <laughs> on the first wave of any of the health trends, um, you know, the, the different health foods and uh, fitness and, yes. of course, where that was the first state to legalize uh, medical cannabis use. So do you think maybe uh, we'll probably start to see that shift uh, across the country? You know, I've been practicing in the, the, the South and that hasn't been really as as popular here, but but definitely seeing an increase in that uh, now with the essential oils and things as it's becoming really popularized on social media and uh, the internet and, and things. I think you're right. Now, it's hard for me to speak about other parts of the country, though I do talk to people from all over the country. Uh, you're right. Um, not only am I in California, but I'm in Southern California, and I practice in Santa Monica and Beverly Hills. And those are really ideal places. Mm-hmm. And also, it puts an maybe not an extra burden, but an extra emphasis, I think, for healthcare professionals to be up on some of these things that their patients are interested in. Otherwise, Patients will turn to social media or just friends or maybe internet sources that don't have the patient's best interest in mind. Yeah, that that's a great point. So Pam, let's talk about some of your main areas of uh, pharmacy specialty and, and, and interest, uh, you know, hormone balance, uh, mood support, essential oils, um, Talk a little bit more about in depth about some of those, you know, more specialty areas, if you will. Sure, I'd be happy to. And most of these have become specialties out of either intellectual interest. I was a chemist before I was a pharmacist. 
So anything that has a lot of chemistry interests me. And um, so, and other reasons I've specialized is because of real big need. I had just started at the pharmacy where I've been working for 20 years, just started there a couple years when the Women's Health Initiative came out. And all the women that were on PremPro stopped their taking their pills, stopped taking their hormones, and started having hot flashes and irritability and insomnia. So that threw me right into the hormones because they wanted to know what they could do. So we boy, we just hunkered down 2001, 2002, and at the pharmacy really investigated that study and different products that could be used and strategies when women didn't want to be on hormone replacement. And uh, since then, too, I've worked in compounding pharmacies, so I've seen it from different angles. And that remains one of my favorite consultations. And I imagine when I go to work later, I'll be talking to women and men about different choices they have in hormone health, either perimenopause, menopause, uh, PMS. And there's something very, very satisfying to me as a pharmacist who loves biochemistry about knowing the biochemistry of hormones and the different metabolic pathways, yet being able to translate that into the simple terms that the person who's suffering with symptoms is having. And I find that people want different kind of answers. And I like being able to take my information that I have and making it as clear for them, even though hormone-related decisions are very tough, very complex, and there's a lot of input from the media on this. Yeah, that, that's a good point. So a, a lot of uh, there is a lot of information out there, and are there any particular sources that you have found to be reliable, credible sources um, where you've gone to study up on some of these newer areas or sorry, not newer, new, well, newer, like some newer. Of <laughs> yes, they've been around since, you know, in Asian uh, medicine, I think cannabis has been used for, you know, thousands and thousands of years, even by the Chinese emperors. So yeah, well, I'll try to not say newer. <laughs> no, say because um, Hillary, what it is, it's new in our consciousness with conventional medications. I think mm -hmm. that's very true. It it's um almost expected that somebody is either interested or taking or has heard about some kind of a natural product, and you bring up cannabis. That's been one of the most interesting challenges in the years that I've been studying different plants and supplements and different um, modes of healing, cannabis sativa by far is the most interesting that I have found in all these years. It's very revitalizing for me as somebody who likes to learn things and then be able to translate that into actual patient help based on what they want to know. Also practitioner help. It's a, as you know, too, it's a very confusing subject. Cannabis, uh, that's a tough one in terms of grasping. I think it took me about two years of bobbling around trying to understand what was going on, what that plant has to offer and mm -hmm. still in process. And now there are many more resources. Five years ago for a pharmacist trying to look into things like cannabidiol and 
we didn't even know about terpenes, uh, let alone anything else. Um, I did know about terpenes from my study of medical aromatherapy. Mm-hmm. Jumping around here, but it all kind of fits together because plants have these constituents, either isolate constituents or parts of the plant taken as a whole. And I've been treated with botanical medicine for about as long as I've been studying it. And so uh, one of the main areas that I was treated for upper chronic upper respiratory infections was through inhaled essential oils, which as we now know are rich in terpenes, which mm. cannabis plant is also rich in terpenes. So it was mm-hmm. a great moment, even just last year, where I was sitting in a lecture, pulling two areas of interest together and understanding that it had a common chemistry. Yeah, that is fascinating. So Pam, let's kind of move into the framework and importance of performing some of those drug, herb, nutrient, condition, interaction checks. Because as a pharmacist, of course, we uh, are responsible uh, for doing that. And so it's important to be able to be aware not only of all the drugs that your patient might be on, but also, you know, are they taking any other um, products, supplements that might uh, interact? Oh, I feel like asking you too what you do in your practice. Everybody, I ask them, what what do you do when your patient's on several medication and they tell you that they're on dietary supplements or homeopathic medicines? It's it's really a dilemma um, for a lot of pharmacists, which is one of the reasons I like people to come visit us and also to train with us. In fact, we have a resident who's training with a, a a recent graduate pharmacist resident. She's training with us for a year because I think it really takes several months, if not six months to a year, to get up to speed with how to professionally assess the risks, let alone the benefits, of combining conventional and non-conventional medicines. Uh, It's been an acquired skill for me. It's fairly easy to look them up and take whatever answer you read on a database, such as natural medicines or micromedics or up-to-date, but then to decide professionally whether the data that's presented by the, the informational source really applies to the patient's situation that I'm talking to. Uh, that is, a, I think, a very important. That's what I, when I talk about framework or context, I try to emphasize that for someone, example, with liver disease, X plus Y may be a problem. But for a 22-year-old on no medication with perfect kidney and liver function, it's much less of a risk. So it's, it's a, a benefit to risk or a risk to benefit kind of framework that I use. Sure. That makes total sense. Um, so Pam, you mentioned having, uh, people come and train with you. Um, you know, let's, let's maybe also talk a little bit about the importance of, of training and, and mentoring and sharing that, that knowledge, whether it's, you know, specific pharmacy knowledge or, uh, just, you know, how to, how to succeed in, in one's career. (laughs) That's a, I think it is essential, at least it's been essential for me, is 
to be mentored and also to mentor. I'm not sure which way I learn more. <laughs> By having students and other professionals that I talk to regularly, I get to re-examine each time whether I truly understand what I'm talking about or if there's any other areas that I need to investigate in. Uh, if you were to come visit, which you're welcome, we're right by LA Airport. So you're, everyone who's listening is welcome to stop by our pharmacy. They can get in touch with me. Um, you, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yes, I'm interested to know what others want to learn and how they want to learn it. And that's how I've been taught, just to be fed some facts. Facts are great, but it's hard to know how to apply those facts, so particularly with cannabis, um, learning about CB1 and CB2 receptors. I think both of us could say CB1 is found here and CB2 is found there, but what do we do for someone with insomnia, with taking other medications, who's maybe part of the sober community, who this or that, just taking into the account of everything. And I, I believe that by following the example of others that have gone before me and hearing what they do and trying it out, explaining it to other people, it's really helped my practice. It's very dynamic in that way. Yeah. that Well, that's a, a great perspective. Uh, Pam, how do you stay motivated? You know, you've, you continue to, to learn and, and uh, which which I personally think is fun. A learner is one of the, my top five strengths on Strength Finders. Um, but yeah, how do how do you stay motivated and uh, to continue that um, uh, you know helpful type of, of and and passion uh, to to do so in an authentic way? Isn't that the question, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, there's many ways. I, I seem to have a natural curiosity for this. So that's really helpful. Just a propensity for diving as deep as I can into a subject when I can and also going broad. So that that's kind of my style is to go broad first, then to go detailed and specific, but not to get lost in the specifics, to go broad again and very often when a, a question comes up or I'm investigating a new subject, I ask myself and also the people that I work with, what do I know about it without looking anything up? We're so used to not knowing something and immediately getting a device and looking it up. And so I try to quiz myself, which keeps the interest going and saying, well, what do I know? And when I started with can, uh, learning about cannabis sativa and asked myself what I knew about the endocannabinoid system, initially I had to say nothing. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's kind of fun too. But even as simple, even the most simple thing, I try to think about what do I know with immediate recall and what can I access with very simple recall? And then what else do I need to know that I have to dive deep into it? And I have a whole bunch of colleagues and friends that like to do that too. And I believe a lot of podcasters like yourself share that too, that we like to know broadly and then we also like to know specifically. 
And what I've noticed, particularly with your podcast, is you like to know a bit about the person too. So information is packaged in some kind of a narrative, whether it's the patient's narrative or the practitioner's narrative. So I think that's what among the many things that keep it interesting for me. Yeah. And then the other thing I'd really like to share with you and for the listening audience, had no idea 25 years later that it would be so important, is that it became necessary and highly suggested about 25 years ago for my health for these, this uh, immune upper respiratory condition that I had chronic, that I learned to calm my nervous system and handle indecision and confusion. And so the acupuncturist that guided me through my initial healing suggested that I begin to meditate. And back then, it wasn't so popular, much more popular and accessible now. And I began a mindfulness meditation practice being mentored by a couple of teachers. And that keeps it fresh too, because when I remember, which hopefully is often, I can always conjure up beginner's mind as if I've never heard of this, never heard of folic acid and folate before or methylfolate, and just have that initial excitement, again, see what I know and what I need to know. But that the skills that have just become a habit are really serving me for little things and big things. And so um, I incorporate that into my everyday life. Certainly got up earlier this morning to talk to you to make sure that I meditated first. And also our students learn meditation. I feel like it's important for any pharmacy student to learn to meditate in whatever capacity that they're willing to. So they go on Thursday afternoons, UCLA has a meditation center, and they go over there and get a guided meditation with about 200 other people. And then they come back to the pharmacy and report to me what they did. And we do that for the rest of the day, even when we're working. So that has been a very big factor for me, is to have a place to metabolize information and feelings and information, because I can get stuck in my head too much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's, that's very interesting. And it, and yes, as you mentioned, there are apps for meditation and, and all different ways to be able to do that if one so chooses. So Pam, as our final question, what does integrative medicine mean to you and how would you, uh, recommend others who are interested in the topic to uh, get started? Integrative medicine and integrative pharmacy, though there's no official definition, to me and my practice, it means bringing other modalities, products, ways of thinking into uh, along with conventional medicine, not an either or but an and, and if, and when, and what is the best available for any particular situation. So in that way, it's integrated and integrative. And so it's multi-modality, multi-product, and multi-contextual. And all begins with what the patient starts with. The first 
30 to 60 seconds of an encounter with a patient or a practitioner is the most golden for me because I see where they're coming from. Because often there are many ways of solving a problem or addressing a medical concern or a symptom. And it doesn't need to be just my favorite way. Because my knowledge is broad and lots of integrative practitioners' knowledge is broad, we can tailor it to the person. And in many cases, conventional medication is the way to go. My classic example is the person that might walk into the pharmacy and wants a substitute for insulin. They're an insulin-dependent diabetic, and they want something instead of insulin. Nope. Not instead of insulin, but let's talk about the other things that happen when you have diabetes, and then we may be able to enhance your program with some nutrients, etc. So that's my definition. Uh, it keeps broadening, uh, but not being limited to one particular healing modality and working with a cadre of other practitioners that can easily be referred to. Awesome. Well, this has been such an interesting discussion. Pam, thank you so much for sharing about your experience. And um, and hopefully our listeners have some great takeaways on some of these um, alternative uh, therapies. And uh, we so appreciate you being a guest on the Natural Products Resource Center podcast. Thank you, Hillary, and thank you for all the work you're doing getting this information out there. I really appreciate what you're doing and others like you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Natural Products Resource Center. If you like this episode, let us know by subscribing to this podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you are an expert in the field and want to be a guest, Or maybe you have a topic related to natural products that you'd like us to share on. Connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn. And check out our website, www.npr.center. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at NPR Center.